Trevor, did you get your coffee yet? No, I remembered coffee about two minutes ago, and then I was like, ah, I'm not, we're already pushing it. So yeah. I'm not going to like make you guys wait for me to make coffee. And I'm not going to make you wait for me to find my dongle. But, but I mean, I feel like I feel like that was a me problem. So thank you guys. Hold on. Am I actually capturing anything? Was yeah. that, is it is it your line not moving at the bottom? Yes. That happens to me like all the time. You're fine. Yeah, okay, it's, cool. it's coming through for me. So you are golden. Well, okay, I hope so. <laughs> welcome. I, I guess, Colin, you're a regular member of the podcast now, which means I, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, can we still call you the pod doctor or now are you just a podcaster and doctor is your side gig? I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I think uh, I, I might just be a podcaster now who does some doctoring on the side. Yeah. I was going to say, we got to start getting you paid for this. Yeah. yeah I, just like, I mean, just like the rest of us. I mean, for how much work I'm putting in, I feel like my salary should at least be doubled. Mm. From your from, doctor salary? No, from, my, from, from the current salary. $0 an hour. Yeah, no, I think Double. we can do that. I'll, uh, I'll have my people get with your people. And by that, I'll have Jenny talk to Sarah. And okay, I think nice. we're, great. we're good. Perfect. Well, uh, that should be okay, cool. perfect. Welcome to episode 96 of Off the Crossbar, Ray also like podcast. You can hear we're joined by uh, Dr. Spindrift over here. Uh, Colin. I love, a, I love a Spindrift. I love a Spindrift. It's like of all the seltzer waters that you can drink, it's by far the most superior one. Uh, is that a raspberry lime? Yes, it is. So it, it appears they've changed the raspberry lime in the three pack at Costco out for lime. Which oh. is very disappointing. Raspberry lime is so good. Yeah, see, I don't buy my, I buy mine just like Alex Smith. So I tend to yeah. buy the Arnold Palmer, mm. which I think is excellent. Just an excellent summer beverage. And then the, the raspberry lime, if I can find it. Nice. Lime is I pretty good too. But. I, I don't, I don't buy a Spindrift. Why? I recognize Never. that people drink it and I recognize that it's a good drink. But I, just, I just don't buy a Spindrift. Do you buy a LaCroix now? I do not. Oh, man. I'll tell you what I did buy, though. Um, last week, I thought I had the can around here. Maybe I don't. Um, I was at Harmon's for some work, and they had in, like, the seltzer water, like, region of the, like, drink display. Yeah. They had a tapache drink. I don't remember what it's called, but it was something, something tapache. And they had, like, four or five flavors of it. And it's my new favorite thing on the planet. Mm. So good. If you haven't tried it. That's a ringing endorsement. I don't know what it's called, but it's delicious. Go get some. I'm going to now look it up so I can tell you guys what it actually is. It's like somebody's tapache. Some like a last name. I don't know. I'll find it. Uh, De la la calle? Uh, That could be it. Oh, no. There was. uh, So there was. I think it was De la calle was one. Okay. Version of it that was there. And then it was a different brand. Oh, weird. Um, oh, I think I found it. Hold on. Bigger picture. Big easy tapache. Big easy. Okay. Real good. I had the mango mandarin and the, I think I got the strawberry hibiscus. Anyway, All they right. were really, really good. I would absolutely recommend those. Get those. Yeah. All right. If I see them, I'll give them a shot. Well, uh, clearly we're not joined by Kyle today who has taken my place in the great state of California. I think we're legally obligated to call it that now. 
between Kyle and I, I think we're trying to maintain residency there. Um, but I don't know if you can transfer it between two people. I hear they have great tax benefits and all that. Yeah, yeah famously a much lower tax state in California. Yeah. Yeah. Hate, well, a, more, hate a tax there. More, right? more benefits? Oh, well, probably. But maybe? More oceans. I would, I would guess so. Uh, maybe less toxic dust? Maybe. Um, you know. Well, it depends I, on where where's on fire. So I guess it really kind of, <laughs> it's, I don't know, give or take. I think it depends on, yeah. That's not what I was going to say. What was I going to say? I lost I that know. train of thought like halfway through it. Apart from the course. I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. California rules. Utah rules. Sometimes. 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 Uh, Especially the toxic dust part I think we can just kick into social hour here. Yeah, let's uh, go. And I can say that I was in California and... I did see this is where uh, having Kyle on the pod would be helpful because he is the film guy. But I guess I will uh, supplant him as film guy for this episode. I went and saw a movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. Went okay. and saw uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is a little what in the it, world. It's an hour and a half. It's very like it's a, a cute little like indie film based on a youtube uh, like uh, program i don't know what to call it it was just a one-off thing somebody made short film that's the word i'm looking for uh somebody made uh, a short uh, film is two words yeah well it doesn't have to be if you hyphenate it <laughs> you're right <laughs> yeah. you're right as yeah. usual you I have know. defeated me yeah that's my goal every episode defeat Trevor. <laughs> Uh, so we went and saw it uh, comes out, I think, July 15th or something nationwide. Uh, highly recommended. Just a very like sweet movie about a claymation shell. Uh, I, it's probably not claymation brand claymation, but it's stop motion uh, shell. And it's, you know, quest to find its family. And it was just very sweet and tender and it's a very calm little movie. Did you, looking, did you tear up? Did you tear up a little bit? A little bit, yeah. It was really yeah. good. I'm just looking at pictures of Marcel, the show. Yeah, yeah. very cute. And this right? thing looks super cute. Yeah, like adorable. Uh, I also went and saw Jurassic World Dominion, uh, which has to be one of the worst movies I've seen in the theater since like Freddy versus Jason when I was 17. Huh. I That's had, strange. I saw that the movie was coming out, and I said, "I have no desire to see that movie whatsoever. Just no interest in it. It looks, it looks bad the whole way around. Yeah, bad premise, bad idea. And they're just. I think, I think it was on this very same pod that Kyle complained about. You know the way that Jurassic Park versus Top Gun, the way they've tried to cash in on the two of them, and how mm-hmm. Jurassic Park is just is a very sad and disappointing cash grab. Yeah." Yeah, and as it, it much as like you that. were, yeah, as as enthusiastic as you were about not being interested in it, I was just as enthusiastic about like actively working hard to not go see it. Yeah, encourage people to not see it. Like, don't go see the new Jurassic World movie, please. Don't really don't encourage this. Yeah. It, <laughs> so bad. So some context here, bad. I think, is interesting. Uh, so we went out to the to Crystal Cove between Laguna Beach and Newport Beach. Uh, and we go out there with some of Jenny's family every year. And it's a lot of fun. We go camp on the beach. Some people stay in Airbnbs or hotels. Uh, but we were camping, you know, we're up an eighth of a mile from the beach. 
Uh, so really lovely ocean breeze the whole time looking out on the ocean. And every year, you know, not every year, but last year we went and a bunch of the, you know, teenage cousins went with me and Ginny to see uh, M. Night Shyamalan's classic, Old, uh, <laughs> which so funny. Uh, not also not a good movie, um, but a lot of fun to watch. And so I thought, oh, let's watch a movie again this year. And Jurassic World was sort of it. You know, there's some younger kids in there and it's not like we're going to go see, uh, you know, one of these much more interesting looking movies. Uh, Those adult uh, classics? Adult classics, there you go. So instead we saw Jurassic World and uh, just not a good time. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't have a good time. I ate a lot of popcorn though. I was going to say the the photos of you on the beach, you looked rejuvenated. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You looked at peace. Just yeah. rejuvenated, <laughs> joyful, youthful. Yeah. Um, it was it was a remarkable transformation out of you. And I was very... The whole time you were there, I was like, there is a man who is living life to its fullest. And I was very happy. It made me feel good inside. I'm so glad. Yeah. Glad you could live vicariously through me in that way. But you look much more ready for the beach than I ever did. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's, I mean, it's it, hot. I, it I don't, wear, I don't wear shirts shirts very much anymore in the summer. It's too hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, that's fair. I mean, I am wearing a tank top. I'm not just here topless podcasting I mean, with didn't have Matt to and Trevor, the illusion, but, but yeah, but <laughs> that would just be weird. I don't want the questions later on. Yeah, I mean, Sarah would be like, "What are you giving them a show?" And then I would be in trouble, and like, we don't yeah. need that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all I've got for social hour. You guys captured it pretty well last episode. And I don't really have it. Oh, I did. So I didn't cook much, you know, during that, you know, 10 days we were gone or the two or three days following or after, you know, before or after. Uh, so I decided to cram all that cooking into one, like, meal today. Uh, so I made a lot of food. Like a lot of food. Yes, Trevor? Matt, I got to tell you, you keep you keep cutting in and out. Oh, well, uh, it feels like we missed a full half of what you just said. Oh, no, that's tragic. Uh, all I said was that I made a lot of food today. And your video keeps pixelating as well. Oh, no. I imagine it's an Internet thing. Uh, so I'm going to hit pause. I'm going to resolve it. And then we'll resume. All right. So as all I was right, saying, Matt, you're back. welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, so I didn't. I didn't make any food while I was on vacation because you just don't make food while you're on vacation, really. Correct. So I I crammed all my cooking into a meal today uh, and I made like six different things. Uh, So I made a red braised uh, pork tenderloin. Uh, I made peanut noodles, uh, some steamed bok choy. I bought a steamer, a little like bamboo steam basket. Oh, nice. Uh, some stir-fried peppers. Um, what were the other things? Cucumber salad. And I feel like there was one more thing, but I'm forgetting what it was. Was the cucumber salad with your cucumber? It was not, because I just had one oh. cucumber. Oh, but sooner, maybe as soon as tomorrow, I'll have two cucumbers in my possession. So we're just really looking forward to that day. But I, I guess that's the other social hour update. I am producing cucumbers outside. Can I can I ask what a red braised is? Yeah, like, what does a, that mean? It's a Chinese dish. Uh, 
and he's like soy sauce and braised uh braised pork usually pork belly uh in okay i don't i I mean it's sugar you like caramelized sugar and then coat the pork in it and then braise it and it's really good i don't know where the red comes from but it does look kind of red i don't know why i was gonna ask is is the pork red or like are you braising it in like wine or something no just braising it in like soy sauce and water and sugar and spices and just turns kind of red i don't know why that sounds awesome i think the pork belly has something to do with it but Anyway, that's that's my social hour update. Uh, Trevor, how about you? I'm I'm curious. Um, I had a very good oh. weekend. Um, did not watch the RSL game at all because I was too busy having a good weekend. In the best um, little, biggest little town in the littlest big city in the world, I think is world. what it is. Wow. I actually like walked past one of the signs. Apparently, there's more than one of those signs oh. downtown Reno. Yeah, everyone needs I, a photo with it. I well, I didn't get one because oh. I don't, I don't really, I don't really care about that kind of stuff, and I especially don't want to like big up Reno because it's like it's a fun town, but it's it's still kind of garbage. Anyway, I went to Reno, um, visited a friend out there, and um, let's see, I got in on Sunday, stayed there Monday, and then left Tuesday, and my friend works um, like every day. Um, they didn't take any time off to hang out with me, which is a little rude. Yeah, very whatever. rude. No, not rude at all. It makes perfect sense. No, so, but they rude. did let me stay at their house, and they did let me borrow their car. So, awesome stuff. Um, so I just spent basically while they were at work, I was in the casino, and then after work, we went out on the town, went to a whole bunch of bars, um, went to a bunch of restaurants, had one of my favorite versions of a Philly cheesesteak that I've ever had in my life. They, it was basically a Philly cheesesteak, but they just like loaded it with uh, beer cheese and put that in there. And it was delicious. Um, they had, um, fried avocado and fried pickles, but their pickles were like pickle spears. So they called them like pickle fries. Um, yeah. So it was just like pickle spears, like deep fried in some kind of batter. And anyway, really good food, uh, really good drinks all over the place. And then I went back to the casino on Sunday, which was July 4th, right? Yeah. No, that was Monday. It was July 4th. Monday was July 4th? No, sorry. Okay. I got in Sunday. So the second day was Monday. That's when I went to the casino. I went to the casino, um, mostly just played poker, played poker for pretty much the whole day. And then um, I needed to go pick my friend up from work. Uh, cause I had their car obviously. And right before about half an hour before there's a guy that came and sat down at our table and he was about my age, mid thirties, give or take, and sat down with like $400 and the games that we were playing, like they're low stakes. It was like one, one, two, no limit. Um, so most people had somewhere between like two and $500 in front of them. Um, this guy sits down with 400 and then just immediately starts betting like 40 and 50 and and a hundred dollars just like out of nowhere for no reason um and so some people are nervous and like letting him win a couple and then they finally like somebody challenges him a couple times and shows that he's just like betting with nothing he's just constantly betting a lot of money with really bad hands and so i had to get up and go right after he lost his 400 like five hands in he lost four hundred dollars <laughs> oh he man pulls out this big old wad of hundreds peels off a bunch of them and gives them to the dealer. And the dealer's like, this is $1,100. The maximum buy-in on this table is the tall stack in the room. And that's only like $700. 
So they gave him 700, gave him his 400 back. He put it back into his giant wad and was mad that he couldn't buy more (laughs) and then just proceeded to do the same thing and just kept losing money. And that's when I needed to go pick up my friend. So I left, grabbed my friend, and I was like, I know we've got plans tonight, but pretty please let me go back to the casino for just like a few hours. Please, this guy. Yeah, pretty much. And so she was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go take a nap because I'm tired and then I'll get showered and ready and we'll just go out to dinner in a couple of hours. That's great. So I went back to the casino and I'd been gone for like 45 minutes or an hour, like somewhere in that range. And the guy was just getting up to leave. And when I sat down, I sat down with like $500, I think. And everybody else on the table had more money than me. And he had just lost the rest of his money and was in a bad mood, got up and left. And the dealer was saying that he's kind of a regular, I guess. And he lost somewhere between two and two thousand and twenty five hundred dollars in like a forty five minute span, and all that money was still on the table. And so I know I sat down and I ended up winning a lot of that money um, from a bunch of the other players. Just had a really good run, played really good poker for like two or three hours, walked away with like a fifteen hundred dollar profit from that session. And yeah, it was great. So I ended up making a ton of money because some guy was an idiot. And just threw his money all over the table, which is great. So really fortuitous timing. Uh, had a lot of fun at poker. Made a lot of money. And then, um, again, just went back out on the town that night. Had a great time. Um, then went to the airport in the morning. Had a great trip. A lot of fun. A lot of drinks. A lot of good food. A lot of good poker. And one guy who didn't want to have any more money. Which is great. It's exactly what you want from a casino trip. Yeah, that sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, that was my weekend. I got back on, what is it, Tuesday? Traveling sucked. Oh, speaking of traveling, I flew out of the B terminal. I got to say this. How are your legs? Are they still attached? (laughs) So I didn't have as much of a problem walking as I guess everybody else does. It's definitely like a long walk, but I've heard a lot of people complain about it. And like, fair enough. It's a long walk. It's a big airport. I get it. But the stupidest thing about the walk is not like the length. It's all of the travelators and all of the escalators going from the A gate through that tunnel and all the way through the entire like B concourse or terminal or whatever. Like every single one of them, the handrail moves slightly faster than your feet. So if you put your hand on the handrail and then just like stand there, your hand eventually gets so far out that it's uncomfortable and you got to like reset and you have to do this like two or three times on every escalator. It's the dumbest thing in the world. I've never been more upset at a people mover. Hmm. But anyway, the B terminal sucks. Um, Not because it's long, but because they can't get their escalators and travelators to work right. But also it's a really long, really obnoxious walk. Yeah, it is. And it's so barren, right? It's, oh, it's completely under, barren. Underground piece, and it's just there. There's no stores or no anything there at all. It's just a long high school hallway. That's all it is with travelators. Like it's obnoxious, and all the coffee is on the A side, and you don't realize that until you get to the B side. And then, if you want a coffee, you just got to walk all the way back, go get that's in line not, for your coffee. That's not true. <laughs> is it not true? No, right at the top of the escalator that gets you up to the B gate. There's a Gourmandise right there. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I'm not paying. I went to Gourmandise like two weeks ago and decided I'm never paying Gourmandise price for coffee ever again. <laughs> it was like $8 for a latte, which is insane to me. 
So you're right. There is a gourmandise, but I'd already like wiped that from my memory. I went back to the beans and brews in the A terminal or concourse, whatever it was, and then walked all the way back to the B side. Oh, anyway. So the Salt Lake City Airport kind of sucks, but it's nice and new and fancy, and that's cool. And Reno is great, and I had a great time. Thanks for asking. Hello, 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 dear friends, listeners, etc. This is Kyle checking in for my regular social hour update. I am sad I am not with my dear friends on this episode, but I hope this leaves a little, you know, bit of my lasting legacy on on pod on this episode of the pod, the one and only pod. Um, yeah, so I am in California again this week. I think either between Matt and I, I think we have had California covered for the last, the last few weeks and Trevor recently in, in Nevada and of course the pod doctor in the Northwest. So we were really just trying to get on the ground here, um, at all, in, in all corners of the Western United States and really provide some on the ground reporting. Um, yeah, so I am just on a little, uh, family getaway to the beach, uh, down here in, in, uh, Northern San Diego County in the Carlsbad Oceanside region. Um, yeah, just down here, bit of an escape an escape from the heat. I'm scared to come back home. It just, this looks like a hundred degree days as far as the eye can see and that sounds horrifying to me and I don't like it so happy to be down here and it's very uh cool very breezy we love to see it um but yeah I've been just we've been chilling out relaxing quite a bit in the few days I've been here so far I'll be here for for another week actually so um yeah I've been really just hanging out by the beach, I, like yesterday, let's say today's Wednesday, yesterday on Tuesday, like almost everything I had that day was tacos. Like I flew in, got some tacos and Encinitas at my favorite taco spot. You went to the beach for a while for dinner, had tacos again. And they were like almost all carne asada, I think. <laughs> so I got like mainly carne asada tacos the whole day. It's been it's been a heavy red meat week for me, quite honestly, so far. It's Wednesday, and then tonight we went to my favorite restaurant. Like, I ooh, it might be my favorite restaurant in general, actually. Um, it's it's called South of Nick's. It's in it's in San Clement San Clemente. It's yeah, obviously you'd you'd want to pronounce it San Clemente, but it's San Clemente because that's how they say it down here. Because you know. You know, you know how white people be changing the names of stuff. Um, yeah, so had just a delightful meal this evening and then watched the sunset on the ocean. Just, man, it was, it was so good. They have this one. I, I seriously look forward to this, this dish anytime I'm not here. It's this like amazing, amazing steak. They, this, this dish is called the carne norteña and it's just fantastic and this place also has the best chips and salsa i've ever had which is just a delightful appetizer of course but you know other than that i i haven't been doing too much well i i did have a nice fourth of july weekend i hope everyone else did as well i hope people got a 
hang out with some friends and family. Um, I, I, we had a combined birthday party for a couple of friends of mine at, uh, someone's parents' house cause they have a pool. And so we did like a barbecue thing with a bunch of people on Monday, which was great. And then, uh, and then came down here the following day. But other than that, just, um, oh, you know what? I actually, so I did a really lovely hike on, on, uh, on Saturday, wait, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. So I hiked up uh, Sunset Peak, uh, which is just a, one of my favorite hikes in the Wasatch. Started on the Brighton side. You can do it from the Albion Basin side too. It makes it a little bit shorter, a bit shorter. I don't know how much more short, how much shorter it is, but um, started from the Brighton side. You just, you do like the Lake Mary hike, but then you just keep going till you're at the top. Uh, you get to the ridge that's like between big and little Cottonwood canyons. Um, and then you summit up to sunset peak and it's just, it's one of my favorite hikes in Utah. Um, and I'm always surprised by how few people are, are up there at the same time as me. Like I was up there and I was, uh, I was just me. And then there was a couple that came up. Um, and then there was like a family that was up there for a couple minutes and then they left. It was, it was super low key, but it's, it's crazy. Like some of the, my, my favorite views, um, in the Wasatch for sure. So that was, that was stellar. Uh, loved that, you know, had a relaxing Sunday the day after and yeah, very, very solid 4th of July weekend. Um, except for the RSL game on Sunday. That was, I mean, and if you're listening to this, you obviously feel my pain. My co-hosts through the rest of this episode will probably uh, adequately express the pain that we all collectively felt during that game. It was, it was so rough. <laughs> that game was so bad. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you guys. After the Columbus game, where the, the I talked about this at length, but the vibes were bad from the second I showed up when the tacos weren't there. From that moment forward, I'm just uh, I've got I've got some I've got some pretty intense feelings about the state of affairs. I know where it's only it's like two bad games, um, but these two bad games make a difference, and the vibes I need the, I need the vibes to return. So need the good vibes to return. Um, really, we just need to sign a striker. Also, really bad, which you know isn't going to happen. And I'm sure Trevor's going to bring up the quote. So. Um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's like six and a half minutes. It's so, you know, it'd be, you know, what's gonna be funny is there's gonna be some week where Trevor and Matt or, and Colin are like all unavailable and I'm just going to do two hour podcast of me talking by myself on an episode. That's a, that's a fun challenge. That's going to be the hundredth episode challenge is like Kyle just does a two hour monologue by himself. It's going to be like 15 minutes about RSL and everything else is just going to be, I don't know. Oh, also I've been watching, uh, <laughs> I've been watching Barry. I, well, okay. I've been watching the final season of Barry or the, the third season of Barry, the most recent one. Um, been just really looking forward to that coming out, came out if it started coming out. I waited till the whole thing was out before I started watching it. Cause I, um, yeah, I just, uh, I cruise through it super quick. Uh, I just have to say that Bill Hader is just an incredibly talented director and writer and actor. Um, so highly recommend Barry for those who are not faint of heart. Is that faint of heart? I think that's right. Anyway, great show. Uh, great, great stuff from Bill Hader. Great, just great pr prestige television 
on uh, the home box office. So yeah, anyway, I'll leave it there. Watch Barry. Uh, I assume you can watch our, I think our, uh, whatever the, the, they'll tell you what to do or what, what's going on. But yeah, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope my boys are doing well. Uh, I'll pass it back over to them. Continue on. What about you, Colin? I'm, I'm glad you won a bunch of money. I didn't win any money, but, uh, let's see. What did I get up to? Um, had, uh, had a birthday dinner celebration for uh, Dustin, who comes to the RSL games with us. So happy birthday to Dustin. Happy um, birthday, Dustin. That was pretty happy good. While we were at Dustin's birthday party, Sarah had to do a Twitter spaces um, with Andy and, and Tony about the Utah Jazz. So we just okay. like hung out and like drank and stuff. And she had to go like upstairs in the other room and participate in this online twitter thing that like when she was like oh we're gonna do this on saturday at eight i'm like saturday of a holiday weekend is anyone gonna tune into this shit like oh sorry i probably shouldn't swear but honestly that's basically what i said i was like yeah i was like it's it's saturday night like people it's a holiday weekend and they had probably two thousand people almost the whole time which was like absolutely mind-blowing to me i was like jeez, uh, man i i don't you you people need to get out and do some stuff um, was this Sorry to interrupt. Can I ask a quick question? Yep. Was this space like organized? Because like Andy and Tony and, and Sarah all work like they're jazz beat writers, but they all work for three different like organizations. Did they like get together themselves and be like, hey, this would be a fun thing to do? Or was this like something handed down from their boss? It was like, hey, this would be a fun thing to do. Or yes, like, this like, is something who that put it together. They got together themselves and decided it would be a fun thing to do. Um, okay. And it, like it benefits them not really at all so like a lot of people were like oh my gosh you guys should be doing this all the time and there's like well there's no reason to be doing it all the time because it doesn't benefit us at all it's just like something we did for the fans um yeah. so and they seem to have really enjoyed it so good for them i didn't listen to it at all um because <laughs> i was busy <laughs> at the birthday party hanging out with my friends so um i saw that it happened <laughs> and i saw kind of the twitter reaction to it yeah and apparently there was some like juicy stuff that was said that some people either had never heard or didn't realize that they had already heard um, and got some people a little riled. Yes. Yes. But, but I, I can't imagine that anything would have been particularly shocking. Like maybe some anecdotes that people hadn't heard or something like yeah. that. But I think some of it was just people not really like paying attention. I mean, like people we're like, oh, we didn't know that there was discord within the team. And I'm like, what do you mean? The team that was like not playing together and playing poorly and crashed out in the first round of the playoffs. You thought those guys were all like super good friends and working really hard for one another. Like, I don't, I don't and know had, what to tell you there. Bad vibes the entire last half of the se- second yes. half of the season. I mean, I'm, I, I like the jazz. I enjoy watching the jazz sometimes. Sometimes I don't enjoy it, but I want, I do it anyway. Uh, and it, it was super obvious. Like, I don't follow the team closely, but everything around the team was pretty definitive. Yeah. yeah. Funny. yeah. Um, and then uh, I went camping with my family on Sunday night. We went camping in Maple Grove, which is just in between uh, the Maple Grove campground, which is in between Scipio and Salina. Um, and that was uh, really nice. Um, we just stayed like the one night, um, drove down about two hours to get down there. Um, and, you know, just 
set up our tents and hung out and cooked campfire dinners and sat by the sat by the fire the night and saw the stars and um overall it was a it was a super nice time um and then woke up pretty early on the 4th of July like you do when you're camping and got it all packed up before it got too hot um and came home and then for the 4th of July um didn't do anything too crazy um i ended up going to beer bar with andy and sarah and we had a couple of drinks um in the late evening we played a game called uh bino i don't know if you guys have ever played it yes um it's like i mean like a little bit i've seen it at beer bar how do you smell this b-i-n with like the uh brazilian accent h-o yeah yeah oh 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 yeah i played this with trevor yeah you've seen this okay yeah, so we played that um, and hung out, uh, and that was good. And that was like that was basically my weekend. Uh, I I also like Trevor didn't see the RSL game. Um, caught up after the fact and watched some of the extended highlights and stuff like that. Um, but seemed luckily seemed to have avoided uh, what looks to have been a pretty tough game. And uh, yeah, I think that's about all I've got for social hour. Yeah, I guess I did watch the game, but I re so I rewatched the game for some reason and listened to the rest uh, mostly on the radio. So I did like 70 minutes on the radio and then 20 minutes on my phone at uh, Viva Chicken in St. George. Nice. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, that was something. All right. Well, I updated the doc while we were talking. Um, I thought about having a little let's do a live moment um but you know uh better prepared than unprepared i guess is what they say right pretty sure that's the saying that's word for word yeah um so that there are things in there and uh trevor's going to be quite pleased at the first one there you bet which is probably the least important of the three it's I don't want to talk about it, but I get why we're talking about it because like it's finally time. Like the windows actually open. It's theoretically a possible thing. It open, there it'll was, be open when we publish this episode. If it opens at midnight. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. It opens on the seventh, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the summer transfer window, window finally officially here. Uh, it's only been like two months since we've been able to sign players. DJ air horn sound. Yeah. Uh, and the update Beautiful. is that uh, somebody somewhere who knows something about something says that an American club is interested in Gustavo Cuellar. Why? Who which could one that could be? that be? Yeah. Mm. One wonders. It's uh, one is forced. Anyway, somebody somebody tweeted something about that. And so that's uh, back on the radar. There you go. That's all we know. Literally not actually an update. Just somebody decided to tweet some old stuff all well, over again this this podcast is basically just reading tweets so yeah that's really i don't, all I don't know what you want reading and writing tweets anyway uh gustavo cuellar would be a cool signing if we can make room cool happy to hear about it what if we what if we skip straight to uh this the third point on the dock which is alex's uh yeah let's do that yeah let's combine the two why not and then the second one we'll get to afterward. I think that's great. Yes. Perfect. Yes. 
All right, we have, so, we've figured out the order of events. Now yeah, we're such good podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Elliot following on the ESPN 700 as he does weekly at this point or biweekly or however often it is. A lot. Uh, talked about summer signings, which is not really what he ended up talking about. Uh, the, the window opens, as we said. Um, and here's what Elliot Falls said on ESPN 700. This uh, via Alex Maurer. Uh, over the next month or two, we're going to have four to five new guys stepping on the field for us. He then proceeded to mention Saverino, Julio, and Diego Luna. Getting Demir back after he's had some time off. We'll have some new arrivals without making new signings. And then there's I, a, I, the I, quote I, continues. I have thoughts. I, I, hold on. First of all, I appreciate... Um, when there's continuity between Utah sports franchises, because this is the thing that the Utah Jazz front office office has has said for years when a player was injured and would be coming back, they'd say he was like a new signing. Oh, Alec Burks was out for last season, but he's coming back, and that's like a new signing, right? Like this is I I appreciate that it just appears to be a Utah franchise staple that your oh. own players who you've signed and have seen playing before are like. Fresh signings coming back. Arsene it's Wenger even, did this all the time. It's yeah. yeah I was going to say it's even better than that because it, Adriano Galliani, for he was like the director of sport or technical director, whatever. He's the guy that bought players for AC Milan from like two thousand and like eight all the way through like two thousand and like nineteen, and he said this constantly every single window. Any year that the team was bad, you could count on him being like, oh, this injured player is coming back and it'll be like a new signing because yeah. we're finally going to get Jeremy Menez back or Antonio Cassano or whatever. Just any player that was injured for more than two months around the w transfer window, he would talk all about how it's going to be a brand new. So it just became like a joke. It was an expected thing that he said every single time. And yeah, Arsene Wenger said the same thing. A lot of coaches have said the same thing. And guess what? It's all garbage and crap. And yeah. just, it's the worst. It's, I hate it so much. Yeah. I yes. mean, the point of talking about the transfer window opening is to talk about players coming in. Uh, Saverino is at the club. Diego Luna hasn't played a minute for us. So, I mean, he, he, he is new. Uh, I like the no, he, idea that we're pinning our hopes on a 19 year old, but. He he has played for us. He made his debut against Vancouver. Did he play more than a minute? I think he might have played a full minute, yeah. Wow, good for him. And then sorry, he Diego. proceeded to make his Monarchs debut less than 24 hours later, which is a little weird, but like that happens. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, I think he had to like judging from what I know about uh FIFA's regulations around players, they have to like okay it independent of the club the, the yeah. player does because it's ridiculous yeah it's a little insane to make players play more than more than one what, game in 48 hours more than one, like a two or three day period yeah yeah uh, but yeah anyway so uh then he immediately went to the u20s and played pretty well yeah had a couple of good moments was not a starter for the team i don't think he might have started one game but he was not like a excuse me, like a shoe and starter, but he definitely played minutes and he played really well uh, in several games and that's a good sign. Um, but he doesn't really fit in the formation that we're playing at the moment. So that'll be fun to see 
another player come to this team and not play their natural position and try to succeed. Yeah, he did yeah. play. He did start How? in the final against the Dominican Republic, it looks like. And he started against Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Canada. How many uh, games did they play? Ooh, seven. Because I thought I, okay, I was going to say, I thought I watched two or three and he did not start in those two or three. Yeah. So he played seven games, uh, had five assists, one goal. Um, and the USU 20s were like night and day better than the teams they played. Um, yeah. And certainly, like, he deserves a share of the credit there. But two of, ooh, somebody's got sirens going on. Uh, he, he played against Canada uh, and had two assists in a 2-2 draw, which is great. Um, he also had an assist in a 10-0 win against St. Kitts and Nevis. So, you know. Nice, nice, uh, nice. Cool. He had a great pass in that game. Uh, they beat them 10-0. So let's, let's you know, hold, hold our horses a little bit on him being the savior. But what I want to know, if the, if the, if the U.S., Men's national team is out there winning a game 10-0. Where is the national outrage about how classless it is to win by that much? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I want to know. I feel like it's really I mean, classless it's to win 10 goals up. Well, were, we, were we celebrating? <laughs> we, better not have been. we better not have been. None of those players better have been celebrating. They better have been quietly we walking back to their positions on the field. Quiet turned dignity. and walked back. I think what I think remarkable uh, real quick to segue into U.S. soccer, like the first time they've qualified for the Olympics since 2008. Yeah. Honestly, pretty pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> Just oh, no, super, like super, super pathetic. Super bad. Did uh, you somebody pulled out the um, it was either it was the last time that we qualified, like the roster for 2008 and like who was on that roster. It's like, and it's a real who's who of like do's and don'ts of like players that made it and players that really didn't Ooh, nice. it's a lot of fun yeah. but yeah like just i mean uh, like honestly like excited for diego luna that's really great um very cool good opportunity for him to continue to develop his career at the international level um at places like the olympics and they didn't they qualify for two different competitions yeah, yeah the olympics and the u20 world cup that's it okay so um which also, I feel like the U.S. hasn't had great success in, in qualifying no. uh, in the recent past either. So um, a, an excellent opportunity for a young player like Diego Luna to get experience against some of the better U-20 teams uh, the world is going to send out there. So that's really neat. Yeah. But it, it, I, I do think people are very excited about him and I get it. He is 18. Um, 18 is still very young for a soccer player. Yeah, like it's definitely it, the part that bugs me about Elliot Fall being like, oh, look, we signed Diego Luna as a summer signing. Like, get excited. Is like that makes it seem like we're going to start immediately relying on him. And like, if you sign a player at 18, you're very happy if he's seeing the field as, as more than substitute minutes every now and then. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, 18 year old, like, 18-year-olds aren't finished players. They're definitely players to develop, and they're players that you're looking to play getting serious minutes in two or three years. That's what right. you're hoping to get out of 18-year-olds and 18-year-old signings. So it it's a little silly for him to bring that up 
for that reason. But also, like I said, like we don't have a position that Diego Luna can just immediately slot into in the current version of soccer that we're playing or really any version of soccer that we played under Pablo Mastroeni. We haven't really played with like a number 10, which is where he's been most successful. Yeah. So it would take a formation change, which like Pablo's shown that he's capable of doing in the past, which is fine, but that's what it would take in order for him to get good minutes for RSL. Cause RSL also does that thing where they don't give players good minutes in preferred positions and it stunts development. And it just leads to players struggling to make an impact on the game always right. and constantly. And it's, I just really hope that we don't do that to Diego Luna. If he's yeah. going to be like a great number 10, a great us number 10, like we should, treat him with that respect and like play him at that position instead of try to play him on the wing or try to play him as like a false nine, something like that, which I'm sure we're capable of doing. Right. Yeah. And I, to, to the Diego Luna question, and you also have the same problem with, I think Dami coming back. I mean, Dami coming back as a player who hasn't really shown a lot in the formations that we're playing in this season. I think, you know, like some of, some of the bad games we played this season had Dami in them. Uh, some of the worst games we played this season had Dami in them. And so, like, I don't know that I would really consider that a new signing to be excited about for when he's back that I think is really going to improve whatever this team is missing, right? Like, yeah. so the the thing that it made it sound like to me that Elliot Fall was saying was don't expect anyone, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, don't Which expect is... anyone. We're not signing Gustavo Cuellar, like... Don't don't expect anyone coming in. I'm sorry. Um, I listened which, to the last episode of Off the Crossbar, and I think Colin didn't you directly say we were signing Gustavo Cuellar? No, that sounds made up. Wow, that sounds made up. I don't, if I, I can't didn't, rely I, on the doctor, I I feel like Kyle and Trevor tried to definitively say that he was a top five RSO player <laughs> of all time, and I I pushed back really hard on that. Um, as I remember it, if I recall correctly, I don't well, know. He's pushed back on that. Well, no. we'll we we can check the tape. We've got, no. to, and we'll we'll definitely do that because this is very important. <laughs> I can pull it up on my phone, and I can just put it right up to the microphone. And- <laughs> I, I think you should just splice it in of me just saying that it's a done deal, and he's the best player our, ourselves ever had. We don't um, have the exact minute that it happened, uh, so you'll just have to play the whole episode into the just, mic, and okay. then we'll just have to pare it down once we find it. No. So. I hope you guys didn't have plans tonight, like bed <laughs> or anything like that. Like sleep. Yeah. Uh, no, the other the other thing about Dami, like that's a great point um, that you make. But the other thing about him is like we've been told, and I know like I've said multiple times that they're lying about injuries like all year, but we've been told that Dami won't come back for still a while now. Like yeah. he's not expected like any day now. He's not expected as a, even a summer return. I think him and Bobby are on very similar timelines. Well, though, where we'll be lucky if we have them for the last five to 10 games of the season, which is not like a summer signing. No, I mean, it right. kind of is, but also like, that's not good enough. That's really, really rough. Yeah. I mean, I'd be, I, w- I would be a little disappointed if he just came out and said, you know, we we're happy with where the roster's at. Uh, we don't really have the space. Um, but it would be a lot more you know, honest, right? And sometimes that would, feels a little hard to come by in the sports landscape at large. You know, and that applies here just as much as it does most places. I think that we were a little spoiled me... having Garth Lagerway here for as long as we did. 
That yes. doesn't make me hate it any less, Matt. I know. And it I, should. I, it should. I think the other thing that is really disappointing about it is for whatever reason that we're not getting a signing done, whether it's the cost, right? Like maybe it's like the costs are too high or whatever. Uh, one of the things that would have really helped offset that is if we had gotten a transfer fee for Albert Rusnak or potentially a transfer fee for David Ochoa. And it's it's mismanagement by the front office to have both of those guys leave and have nothing added to like our transfer kit, our ability to sign players. Um, and now we're looking at having to talk about players who are coming back injured as new signings, which everyone knows is one of those things that GMs say that is just like not a true thing. And yeah. yeah. The other the other part of the problem is um I know we've talked about like roster rules and like senior roster spots and like supplemental rosters and all that stuff multiple times. And I don't want to go into all that, but we have 35 names that are of players that are signed to an RSL contract. And we technically only have space for 30 plus like a couple shadow ones. Yeah. So something's got to happen. Like it could very well be that like we can't make a signing because there's no room for a signing. Yeah. And maybe that means that we have to buy somebody out, or maybe that means that we have to transfer somebody or cut somebody to get a signing. And like, that's just another step to making a signing a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. The other thing to consider is that we're probably full on internationals too. Uh, and yeah. in fact, when I was listening on the radio to the pregame, I believe it was on ESPN, ESPN 700. There you go. Uh, with, Spenno and uh, Lauren, right? I think it's Lauren. I sure hope it is. Where I've goofed in a big way. Um, anyway, they're they're talking about you know the potential for adding players, and Spenno mentioned something about you know, needing to needing a player to get a green card, uh, which made it sound like they're that's sort of a necessity. And in fact, I think you can see that being a necessity with the way they've bounced Chris Cablan around. Uh, where he's been playing with the Monarchs and on assignment with Monarchs, I think just to make the roster fit together. Uh, And that is, uh, yeah, that's troubling. Especially since he's only here on a two-month loan. Yeah, end of July, he should be going back. Um, We'll probably extend him and say he's like a new signing. I think... (laughs) I mean, why? I mean, if they extend him, but they can't play him in a game, uh, that would be even worse, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, What's the point? Yeah. I think a minute ago, I might have said, I don't remember if I said it specifically, but there were 35 players. I lied. There's actually 36 because the list I'm looking at yeah. still doesn't include Tomas Gomez, who we've been told <laughs> several times is an RSL player on an RSL MLS contract. Yeah. It just makes it so, even stranger that he doesn't appear there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this roster shenanigans for this team have been kind of a problem for a while and i don't think it's ever been more shenanigany than it has been this entire season so it yeah it's a bummer um and i know that elliot has a lot of good reasons for like why the roster is in the shape that it's in and why we made the offseason signings and moves that we did and I'm sure it all makes sense, but like it puts us in this position where we have way too many players that just aren't good enough, like on paper, and we need to fill gaps, but we can't fill gaps. 
So it's weird. But at the same time, like we're in what what are we in? Um we're not in second place in the league anymore. Um, uh, because everybody caught up because of course they did, and then we lost a game, but we're still like in the top half. I think we're I'm trying to find it. We're, we're like we're third in the West right third now. Third in the West, and I think it was fifth in the league. Support like shield, that. something like that. So oh. like we're still like theoretically in a really good position and we're definitely outperforming what you would anticipate is the limitations of this roster. So I almost wish that they would lean into that a lot more and be like, look guys, we're having a great season. We don't need signings. Yeah. We're doing great. Yeah. Let's like, I, I wouldn't really get that. I wouldn't really like that, but at the same time, like that's a lot harder to argue with than, Oh, we're, we're going to have a couple new signings. They're going to be just like new signings, except they're already here and they're just guys coming back from injury. Like, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I it's hard to, it's hard to argue with unless you look at, the results and say that they're probably not sustainable, which we've no. seen in the last two weeks that our results are probably that we have gotten in the past are probably not sustainable at the level that we were currently doing them at. Yeah, sure. Well, and with games in hand, like we could conceivably be in fifth place, which is not bad. Uh, I think no, it's probably more realistic before, for before the season. I would have been like, that's a good place to be in yeah. by the end of the season. If we finished fifth in the West, I would actually be like, hey, that was a, that was a solid season to step up. From yeah. where we were. But we're now seven points behind LAFC. Uh, I don't think we're anywhere near no. the supporter shield. Who race. even, I mean, we're seven points off of LAFC and they lost to Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> Which tells you the, like, like, but like, also, I mean, LAFC is top of the league and they're top of the league by, not, I mean, I'm going to say not an inconsiderable amount. Um, for this stage of the season, they're up, they're it, six points above fourth. So like yep. they're they're not like running away with it, but they're clearly one of the best teams in the league. Yep. And so it's a I think it's a little unfair to compare us to LAFC. Oh yeah, oh, for no. sure. But especially in a league where like we just need to make the playoffs and like that's all we need to worry about. Like we're in a fine position right now, and if we can maintain this fine position, we do have room to fall down and still like have a successful season according to whatever most, standard we're applying. Most, most standards that people measures, are applying. Right? Yeah, I think even we said at the beginning of the season, like that if we make the playoffs, like that's we're we're happy about that, considering the state of the team currently. So, well, we'll it, get it's more a little silly that. to complain about this team and the signings and the state of the roster, but it, it does that's seem why abysmal. We're a podcast, we it complain about abysmal. the things that other people think are good. Refuse to complain about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's half the fun of starting a podcast. If you would yes. also like to complain about things, I would urge you to also start a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking right. of things that we've been complaining about, uh, let's talk about something that we're not complaining about. Oh, this is the second thing that we moved to the fourth yeah. thing. Item two. Yeah. I'm really, really, really excited about this. I'm I'm unbelievably stoked. I'm really excited about this. Um, uh, the Royals are, for all intents and purposes, reports are that they're going to be back in 2024. Yes. So the reports state that uh, the NWSL is looking to add two expansion teams in 2024 with Utah, uh, with the Utah ownership basically having worked out their renewal clause for the Utah Royals to be one of those expansion teams in 2024. Just great which, news all around. Which f-wording rules? I'm, I'm, I cannot tell you how excited I'm excited I am to have NWSL back. Fjord? Yes, 
Yes, yes. fjording. It fjording rules. Um, no, NWSL was so fun and so good and just such a great addition to the Utah soccer culture and community. And like, they're so good. Um, I, I can't can't speak highly enough about it. And I, from my understanding, like I don't have any inside knowledge whatsoever. But from my understanding, is they're planning on keeping the same like branding and same logos and same like everything. So it's going to be nice. basically a straight continuation of the team that already existed. Which well, is except for any of the players or coaching staff, right? Well, except, that, except for that, but coaching staff might be fine. That that that's probably a good thing. We don't need credit. Craig yeah, the coaching, yeah, Craig Harrington, yes, for sure. Yeah, we go. could get Laura. We could stand to have Laura Harvey back. Sure. Yeah, um, but she's doing she's doing pretty good for the the rain up there. I, right, I which heard is why that I would Laura Harvey was the reason we didn't have uh, a lineup graphic. So I don't know with no. you know, with a formation. Um. No, that's it's great news. I, I all heard around. similar. Yeah, I yeah. I uh, was like one of the, I remember you know like 2020 when we ended up losing the Royals, and I was like, man, I went into this pandemic with a women, like as a season ticket holder of a women's soccer team, I'm gonna come out of it not having uh, a women's soccer team to watch anymore, and it was like one of the things that like when I was in quarantine, I was like really looking forward to like getting back into the Rio Tinto stadium, right? When, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to get back to RSL matches and I can't wait to get back to Royals matches. And um, I was devastated to lose the team. I mean, I was a season ticket holder day one. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience was phenomenal. I loved it because it was so much like, I love RSL games. I love the energy here in RSL game, but a Royals game was just so relaxed. Like people were there and was- having fun, but the, the atmosphere was super relaxed and like, you were just there, you know, like very much just like hanging out, having a beer. And on top of that, you were watching the best players in the world uh, play like at that time. You know, like you'd be watching the Portland Thorns and there's Lindsay Horan going against up against Becky Sauerbrunn for the Royals. Right. And you're like, these these, these are World Cup winners. They just came yeah. back from winning a World Cup. And this is extraordinary. It was such a great opportunity. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I one of the things I think that's going to be really interesting, and I won't delve into the politics of it, uh, but having a woman's sports franchise in a state which has significant uh, bans on women's reproductive health yeah. will be a challenge to building a roster uh, for women's for women's league. I, it just is. I mean, you can't face the fact that like a woman's soccer player, they have to be available to be on the field to do their job. And, you know, uh, choosing to have kids or not is a significant choice for those, for those women, like to continue with their careers. So there's, that will be an interesting wrinkle in how the team is actually able to be built and what's actually able to be done um, from the ownership. Yeah. Just from, from a, the state law standpoint. Yeah. Agree. And uh, um, speaking of the roster and to try to bring it back to like, I don't know, building the roster will be fun uh, in, I think, different ways than it was previously. Like when we first got the Royals roster, it was just a whole bunch of players from different NWSL teams. Um, Most of them were from Kansas City already. And that like we just kind of acquired what we could from NWSL and there wasn't really very many players with any local ties. We've got two or three players that are in NWSL right now that have local ties. Uh, Ashley Hatch with Washington 
um are they still called yeah washington spirit mm-hmm. she's one of the golden boot contenders she went to byu um she's from here how good um, would it be to get someone like that back dude that'd be incredible and then um Cameron Tucker is another one that plays for Gotham right now. Um, she's a rookie this year, but she also graduated from BYU. She was part of the team that went to the national championship game um, this past year or two years ago. Was it whenever they went to the national championship game? Um, and there's a couple other players that uh, that either played at the U or have played at, at Brigham Young that are part of NWSL teams or are now playing overseas. And it would be great to have some of those um, players come back. I'd love it. It'd be so cool to be able to like build a roster with Utah players for a Utah team. Yeah. Cause we're starting from scratch instead of kind of acquiring half a roster and having to rebuild the rest of it. So. And with I'm, any I'm, luck, there'll still be a Salt Lake city in 2024 and we won't have all <laughs> abandoned it because of the toxic dust cloud. Yeah. I'm extremely excited for the Royals to be back. I cannot overstate that enough. Yes. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Just, uh, just a yeah, and everyone's been talking about this as something that will happen, right? And I think we all knew, like, yes, everything's pointing to yes. Um, everything we're hearing is that it, it's very likely, but it's so different to have that, you know, not in a confirmed in an official press release, right? But confirmed in you know national coverage, like, does something different. And yes. It feels different. It's it's less like well. I suspect this will happen, but you know, things, things can always change is when you hear rumblings locally that happens sometimes, right? When you're closer to the source, it's just how it works. Yeah. And Uh, and this was one of the good, just good. One of the big questions that we had during the whole Deloitte, Willie, won't he sail the team and and do whatever? Like the biggest question I had coming out of that was, are the Royals coming back? And to have that question seemingly answered with the 99% chance of being yes yeah fantastic yep. the last yep. like loose end that we're finally going to tie up yes yeah could not I could not be more excited uh 2024 i'll be a first person signing up for season tickets yeah i will be the second person signing up for season tickets i guess i'll claim third you should i mean no i mean like i'm happy to take fourth or fifth or sixth but you know yeah I, if we're if we're getting in line already i guess i'll get in line yeah, let's get in line. Let's right. Get excited. Do we have I'm to throwing hands. Like I'm it. throwing hands. You try and get in line in front of me. I'm throwing hands. <laughs> this is like the Phantom Menace. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully it's better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I do think Jar Jar Binks should be the mascot for the Utah Royals and RSL. A combined mascot. Get rid of Leo the Lion, Cleo the Lion. The weird, creepy Theo the Lion and Real Monarchs, and just have Jar Jar Binks instead. All right, so we were having a good time <laughs> well, <laughs> just this, a few minutes ago. This is a talking about this thing. <laughs> I really had to kill the vibe because I think it's time to talk about Real Salt Lake again. All right, good yeah. segue. Let's uh, talk is, about the Minnesota game. That is a vibe killer, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, so Real Salt Lake lost three two. People are talking about this game pretty positively out there in the internetosphere. Which is insane, so, but whatever. I, this is like, I realize the scoreline probably isn't the worst, but I would say this is the worst game we played since New York City, right? That first half was, I mean, it, it's shocking. We didn't 
okay, the reason there wasn't a New York City style scoreline is because Minnesota is bad. Like, no right. two ways yeah, about they it. Couldn't, they couldn't finish the way that uh, New York City could. Yeah. Yes. If we were in that position, we would, game would have been done and dusted 20 minutes in. There was nothing good coming from Salt Lake. <sighs> no, and in the first 20 minutes, you had, what, four or five opportunities? Decent shots on goal from Minnesota, including, what, two goals? <laughs> yeah. In, in, like, the first 20 minutes? So, like... Uh, they had one in the ninth minute and then one right at the edge of stoppage time, the penalty. Well, the okay, penalty was, was saved was and the then ends. the rebound. Yeah. 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 And then again in the 61st minute. Uh, and yeah. just... Yeah. Reynoso just slaughtered us. Uh, we started... Uh, we we rotated our lineup to put Scott Caldwell in. All the indications were we know that Reynoso is a very talented attacking midfielder. So you know what you do. You put a defensive midfielder in and you say, just sit in the hole. And uh I don't I don't think that decision played out at all well. And I'm curious what you guys think about that one. I mean <sighs> I don't want to talk too much about it, not because it was a bad game, but because, like, I didn't watch the game, really. So I feel like it's kind of unfair for me to, like, go on this giant rant about it. But go on a rant. And I'll confirm or deny it having watched the game. It makes some sense to do squad rotation throughout the season. And it makes sense to, like, get players' minutes against what you feel might be inferior competition. I get that. Um I, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There was there was some things that that happened through the game that I saw in the highlights that made sense, and some that really didn't. I don't know that putting Caldwell in there was necessarily like on paper a bad idea, but clearly it didn't like work. Yeah, I mean you're putting him in to to sit, right? Yeah, uh, he is not an exploring player. He's not going to rove around. He's not going to chase. It's just not his skill set, right? He's much yeah. better sitting. He'll make some occasional runs forward. Uh, but but you know what you're getting with Scott Caldwell. And there's a reason that like tens don't just operate in one space. Uh, and they I mean they haven't for 30 years. It's it's not like we're in the glory days of 1991 England, right? Where you had that player and they would just sit in that space and make some passes. Like Reynoso was all over the place and that's what a modern 10 does. And so we put a player in who would sit and I think it's not a coincidence that we put Jasper Leffelsen in and the dynamic of the game changed considerably. And that shouldn't be like a positive thing. Yes. It's good that we put Jasper in. Yes. It's good that, that we made, made that change. Yes. It's good that Jasper looked good. Right. But that's, yeah. but but we made a weird decision there, by my reading at least, and it it cost us the game. I think, and that's not to say we would have won if Jasper played, but we went in with a mindset that was, I, I tr- trying to contain one player, and that is not something this team is good at. Well, and, yeah, and it's frustrating when like you can set up a team in such a way to, that you're like we're going to just shut down this one player and that's going to be how we're, how we're going to win or lose this game is by our ability to either shut down this player or not. And like, that's your game plan 
and you kind of plan around it and then it just doesn't work at all like well reynoso had just ran all over us in the first half there's there's some pretty bad breakdowns and i feel like overall the transition the defensive transition as the ball was moving forward like our, our midfield lines were broken very consistently very very consistently and very easily yeah um and but it there was just some like very weird stuff like so the first the first goal balls on the left it gets crossed across the middle kind of cleared out and Reynoso picks it up on the end line very well contained he's a left-footed player a famously left-footed player like who this team has supposedly been scouting all week what does Justin Miram do immediately gives him his left Right, like Justin Miram, not a defender, but immediately like gives him the opportunity to cut left. Andrew Brody comes in support and also gives him the opportunity to continue going left. Like, yeah, like like the the, the individual defense there was also just extremely poor um, for two players to be on that side of the field and be unable to contain him when he got the ball literally on the end line. He basically saved it from going out of bounds and proceeded to get to the middle of the box and, you know, just on on the, uh, what, our left side of the goal uh, and get a shot off. But he was completely contained. All you had to do was make sure he couldn't continue to, like, move towards the middle of the box. And they did, like, they just gave it to him. It was very weird individual defense on that goal. Yeah. And... The thing, and this happened like kind of throughout the game, was like it's it's Justin Miram is the first point of contact there, and like he's not a defender. We've seen that. Yeah, no, he's not. Like, so I, I get Justin Miram getting beat by Reynoso. Like that's gonna happen, but the help is the guy that should be playing that position in Andrew Brody, and he should know. Just like you said, like don't give him left, and if Miram's clearly containing him on the other side basically pushing him left like you should be approaching him from the left side and like trying to double team him that way to force him to turn around and go backwards or play you know play a bad ball or just just make him make a bad decision but Brody immediately just takes up the spot that Miram just got beat in and then gets beat again by the same player doing the same thing yeah it that's not the only defensive breakdown that we had throughout the game and it wasn't even the worst but like that's an easy one. Yeah, there were, like. there were numerous. Um, one interesting one that comes to mind for me is not so much a defensive breakdown. Um, I've just pulled up the availability report, so this is going to dovetail into that. Um, so I guess for, first thing to point out, Justin Glad out for this game uh, with a hamstring strain. Sounds like it was picked up during training. Uh, huh. Just not not the sort of thing you want to see, right? Uh, Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva has been uh, an excellent partnership, a long-lasting partnership, and it's been much to our benefit. Marcelo Silva has never played this many games in a season. For us. Oh, he's probably played this many, but if this continues, he'll easily meet his like 21 games played. Um, so, so that's the context we come in. We see Kaplhoff playing in Gladstead. I thought he did fine. I think most of our breakdowns came further up the field. I have been a Bobby Wood detractor, um, but it's clear that Bobby Wood was doing something in providing like a 
a defensive stance from the front, right? Sure. Uh, I I guess. Um, and there were there was I mean, none I, of that. I trust like, you, and I, I know you're not wrong, but I just don't know how much I value. Yeah. That specific like contribution. I mean, so the thing that that just blew me away watching was the number of times that Minnesota was able to just pass the ball around the back and then just make an immediate incising attack. And a lot of it came from areas where Sergio Cordova should have been playing. Uh, and he, he just wasn't good enough there. Uh, yeah. Again, we all know is, this. It's, it's, a, it's a tale as old as time. Sergio, Sergio Cordova. Cordova is just not good enough when you want him to be well, good. Good news. Uh, Pablo Mastroeni has said that it he uh, just needs to be a little tougher. Yeah, that's what's missing from his Great. game is his toughness. Yep. Yeah, uh, I I appreciate it. I Matt would would you say say that Sergio? Cord- I guess he improved his, his passing. We talked about his his weaknesses as an overall player being what passing and shooting. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the last episode. Yeah, and like I mean, he's he's just not a very good player. I mean, his ball out to to Michael Chang was actually pretty good. He yeah. actually made a pretty pretty good run in for that goal, um, and, and a good ball to the outside. Though I actually think the Minnesota defender, like, it caught him wrong footed for whatever reason. It caught the Minnesota yeah. defender wrong footed, um, and to get through to Michael Chang. So I mean, a successful pass is a successful pass. Yeah. So and and um, Cordova's but, capable of that, right? A couple good things in a game, like enough to fool us into thinking that he could be a great player. But I think it, it, at this point it's, it's fooling us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's true, but I, I was going to cut to Aaron Herrera, who is having uh, basically probably the worst stretch I've seen him play yeah. uh, in his RSL career. Oh, I think undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically it's, it's, from the Western Conference final to now, yeah. uh, Aaron Herrera has not been good. Just like simply not. There's been games where he's been fine, um, but yeah. he has not been a standout performer for most of the season. Uh, and several games in which he's actually been a detriment to the team. And he was a detriment today uh, or uh, not today, but against Minnesota. Yeah, because the penalty similar to the one he gave up two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, from a position that is not extremely dangerous in and of itself, mm-hmm. like a, a position that all he needed to do was contain. If if the shot there gets off, it's like not a very high XG. I could trust Zach McMath that if the shot's going to get off there, you're like it, it's it's whatever. But he lunges in stupidly, doesn't touch the ball at all, gets all contact with the player and gives up another, another penalty. And it's rough out there for Aaron Herrera right now. He's not playing well. And like that's a really awful time to do that. I mean, it's whatever to give a penalty. Like it's not good, but in first half stoppage time, when the game is one, nothing, you can go into halftime at one, nothing and resurrect something from this game. But yeah, just like we talk about mentality with this team a lot, the mentality that the damage to the team's mentality that a goal in first half stoppage time does. Um, it's huge. Yeah. So go, Any team, right? when you're when you're planning on going to the half at one nothing and you're thinking, OK, we can do this. We've, we've got something here. And then you give up a penalty and that penalty makes it two nothing after your goalkeeper saves the initial shot. Like mentally, that's rough. That's yeah. really rough. Yeah. Um, so 
Eric Holt ends up coming into this match. Uh, we switch to a. Does, a does he when, when, back, when does right? he come in? He uh, came in in the sixty-sixth minute. Uh, so Michael Chang, now, right? Yes, this was five minutes after the the third goal. Yeah, uh, Michael Chang and Eric Holt come in for Miram and Aaron Herrera. So one thing I want to say about the third goal, uh, bad stuff from everyone. Um, yeah. So, so the ball gets played through. I think it's Reynoso who plays the through ball, right? Is that correct? Uh, probably. Yeah. He, he um, is credited with the assist, at least. Yeah. Yes, he is. So it, it's played into him. He's basically in their half in, this, in the center circle. There are, if, if you go back and you do like a stop when he touches the ball, there are six RSL players in a circle around him. <laughs> like basically five or six. Oh, I need to go watch this. Yeah. Uh, and Marceau Silva is the one stepping up to him past half field. So like Classic. you've got, you've got, uh, I guess, I think Jasper was in by then, right? Did Jasper come? He came in at the 45th at halftime. Yeah, yeah so Jas- Jasper was in, Pablo Ruiz is in, and yet Marceau Silva is the person stepping up to Reynoso past half field to like try and break the play down. And he plays a very simple ball through to the one-on-one situation with Kapelhoff trying to trying to catch up. And it's just, it's defensively, like it's just a breakdown from the midfield. Like that, sh- that is not a situation in which Marcelo Silva, I feel like should be stepping up past half field to try and contain the ball. Like with Pablo Ruiz and Jasper Loffelson on the field, I just don't see why that's happening in that situation. Yeah. The other, the other part of that, um, and this happened on, I think, the second goal as well, um, and a couple other times throughout the game, is Silva is much more advanced than Kapelhoff, and Kapelhoff is like tracking a runner or tracking a player that's staying back, and he's basically just holding the player on side. And so Silva stepping forward creates that same situation where Kapelhoff is 10 yards behind Silva, and he, so he's the last defender. And so when they play the ball, the guy just runs and just beats him to the ball. And that happened, like I said, like a couple of times. It's the center backs are not keep are are not holding a line, right? One of them steps forward and there's like a 10 yard gap between the two. And it just creates a very easy hold the last guy on side yeah. situation. And, well, and that probably speaks that, more to right? you, you can occasionally, but we certainly didn't on the third goal. No. Um, Kapelhoff got beat handily and the guy was one-on-one with Zach McMath. Um, yeah, there are times when you can do that, but that was the same thing that we were complaining about with Eric Holt uh, when he was playing the center of the three-man back line. He was just keeping guys offside or onside because he was just playing 10 yards behind the rest of the defense. And yeah, it's just, it, it's a really tough position to be put in as a center back to either put yourself in that position or have Silva be the guy to step forward, putting his partner in that position. Um, yeah, it, it more speaks to the cohesion, I think, between Silva and Kapelhoff than it does to Kapelhoff like being a bad player. I don't think he's a bad right. player. Um, and that's not necessarily like a decision that Kapelhoff is making, but it's a bad situation to be in. And Minnesota capitalized on it on at least the third goal. And they got um, good chances several other times throughout the game on the same thing, just that yeah. lack of cohesion between the two center backs. And when Justin yeah. Glad's playing there, you can get away with it a little more frequent, frequently, right? Because he's very fast. Right, but also, but right, but also is not. 
but we don't get put in that position with Glad and Silva. Yeah, it's they true. both hold the line and they both play together and they understand each other and they know when they're pressing and they both step up or you know like yep. we, we don't get caught out like we did against Minnesota. I, I don't think we've been caught out like that more than maybe three or four times this season, and we got caught out three or four times this game. To be fair, yeah. I don't think it would have like. No, never mind. I forgot. I just lost my train of thought. What I was going to say. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk Eric Holt here, uh, because he he played this weird right wing center back, right? Which uh, so we moved to the three man back line. Yeah. So so then we played Herrera and Brody as the wing backs. He, oh right. no, Herrera came out. No, Herrera came out for Holt. Oh, for Holt. Okay. Yeah. So we we play that three, but Eric Holt's playing what Aaron Herrera did when we started that three last year and Herrera played more advanced than I certainly was comfortable in a three man backline and Holt Holt did that as well. Um, There was one particular moment that we need to talk about though. Uh, And that's the one where I don't know if it's in the highlights, uh, but Eric Holt swings his elbow at a player and clocks him in the head. It is in the highlights because it was at the very end of the game, right? Yeah, very end of the game. Uh, He got a VAR. He got a yellow card out of that, right? Yes. Uh, Did he? No, he didn't. Oh, amazing. Well, there is no yellow card issued to Eric Holt for this game. I don't know if anything's been. uh, Maybe we'll break some news here and off the crossbar. It looks like Eric Holt suspended for the next game. Uh, So I've got the match notes up. Uh, oh, could it have been a disciplinary committee? I think thing? it's a. I think we got hit by the disco for the first time this year. Good for us. So uh, we were joining the ranks. Uh, Eric Holt is listed as suspended for a red card. Uh, which yeah, which is which is insane because if the referee goes to the to the VAR booth to review it, what what are we doing? Yeah, I, yeah, I this is don't know how it didn't end up a red card. Like it was. It yeah, like so it was pretty clearly a red card, I thought. Yeah. But yeah. this is just going to bring this up for just a second. The disciplinary committee in MLS sucks and they're the worst. Yeah. And they like fix some mistakes, but then it's crazy that we have referees and VAR and then also a disciplinary committee. And we've got referees that get it wrong and the disciplinary committee corrects it. And I get that. That makes sense. But then we have a referee who then goes to the monitor on VAR and looks at it and then again gets corrected. Like that guy got corrected twice. Yeah. Yeah. I I know we we love to like harp on like how bad MLS refs are and whatever, but it's, it's just an insane thing to happen. And I agree. Like I said, at the end of the day, the disciplinary committee probably got this one, right? I thought when I first saw uh, the highlight that, it probably should have been a red card. And I thought when the guy was going to go to VAR, he's going to come back with a red card and he didn't. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's probably the right decision, but it's, yeah, it's insane that we deal with this in MLS, but whatever. Anyway, Eric Holt suspended, which may or may not actually have impacted anything. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch the full game. Right. Um, so we, we got the first goal in the run of play uh, after the switch from the, to the three man back line. Um, which was which was uh, honestly a pretty good setup. Good run yeah. through the middle by Sergio Cordova. Cordova, great pass out to Michael Chang. Um, good cross in for Saverino to finish. The goalkeeper 
I bet he he sees that one uh, in his sleep because he gets a full hand on that, but it somehow wiggles uh, over the line um, to to bring it back to three one, um, which was great. Um, then RSL score again about two minutes later, right off a corner. Yeah. Um, one uh, of the things I wanted quarter. to mention about this corner was I believe the corner was the result of Sergio Cordova going one-on-one with the goalkeeper and not being able to finish <laughs> this time, legitimately going one-on-one with the goalkeeper and not being able to finish. Um, so basically, uh, that I did not find to be great. The fact that he was through one-on-one with the goalkeeper and, and, and couldn't get the ball in the back of the net, but it ends up being academic anyway, because the corner comes in and, um, Anderson Julio, uh, gets a very good head to it. Uh, great header. Uh, uh, um, honestly, a great first run by Kapelhoff to kind of pull the defenders to that space. And then uh, uh, just a, a perfect header from Anderson Julio to the back post, off the post and in. Um, so yeah. that was that was very nice. Um, another another set piece goal, I, which apparently RSL is just going to keep doing forever. I, I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't know if their delivery is just that good. If the delivery coming in from Pablo Ruiz is just that good, or um, we're just getting a little bit of fortune to go our way. I, I, I don't know what to say about that for sure, but um, it, it's the unfortunate thing is that RSL can score two goals in a couple of minutes and still pretty much deserve to lose this game. Yeah. Yeah. Great two minute spell from RSL. And, well, um, uh, not five minute spell. Five minute. Wow. Seventy first minute and seventy sixth. Oh, okay. Wow. Or when the goals came in. Technically, you have to subtract time because it's a corner, so it actually rolls back time slightly. That's what oh, that song right. is right. about. Uh, if we could turn back <laughs> turn time. Back time. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other things I wanted to say though is, uh, as I said, I, I'm with Trevor. I tried to watch the extended highlights, see as much of it as I could. Um. Minnesota still had three or four good scoring chances in the second half, at least. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I saw, uh, some of the talk on the timeline of being like, let's go back to the three man back line. We're ready. Um, and I'm like, honestly, Minnesota, uh, could have scored two or three more times in that game. Uh, and they had easy opportunities to do so. One that stuck out to me, uh, I believe was, um, set up by, uh, Robin Laud, um, who just like got a break out on the touchline. Basically he was like the, the, the thing to do with the three man back line is have your players just stand, you know, wide as wide as you can stand on the, the end lines and pull those center backs out into that space. Right. Which is what Robin Laud did. Yep. Um, and he got a, he got a free run at goal. Um, Justin Miram was a player who tried to, to shut him down and, uh, was no better at it than a traffic cone. Um, very, very bad. Robin Laud easily beats Justin Miram on the top of the 18. Um, and gets gets very good opportunity. And so, like, for as much as, like, people want to be like, oh, we played so much better after the introduction of the three-man back line, I was like, yeah, but maybe it's... You could have... That game still could have ended 4-2 or 5-2. Yeah. Um, based on the opportunities that Minnesota had in the second half. So I'm not convinced that the three-man back line is, like, some sort of thing that we fixed going forward. It was a disaster at the end of last season, um, which is why we abandoned it in the playoffs. And I just don't really think that with the personnel we have right now, I expect it to be any better. I don't think with Glad, Holt, and Silva, I'm maybe with Glad it's a little bit better. I trust Glad a lot more than I trust Kapelhoff, but I don't really expect it to be some sort of magical fix to this team's problems. 
Well, you say that, and like I said, I didn't watch the game, so I, I don't know. I'm just looking at numbers, so maybe the eye test is different than the number test. But throughout the game, throughout the whole game, um, we were outshot 18 to 12 by Minnesota. Yeah, uh, They had seven shots on target to our four. Um, that's the whole game. If you just look at the second half alone, uh, it was even eight shots to eight shots, three shots on target to three shots on target. We, of course, got one goal or sorry, two goals. They got one. Um, if you go from the 66th minute onward, which is when we made that substitution um, to bring on Aaron Holt instead of or Eric Holt for Aaron Herrera. Uh, we three of our shots on target, three of our four in the toll in the whole game came from the 66th minute onward. Yeah. And we right. did outshoot them five to two from the last however many minutes that is almost 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. So, and we also had 73% percent possession to their 26. Yeah. Last. But that's that, that will happen when you've got a three no lead. Like that plays into that a little bit. So there, there's definitely some some caveats but like according to the numbers right. like we did play but i i like i'm with you i don't know that the three-man back line i mean what we've been doing has been working and it seems like every time we went to the three-man back line before it was kind of a desperation we just need bodies on the field kind of move um and it was it was created a lot more variance in play there was much more highs and much more lows um and they just came a lot quicker and a lot faster so I, I right. think the numbers of this game kind of support the idea of like, let's play a three-man back line, but it's a really small sample size. We've yeah. seen the three-man yes. back line, and it has been very miserable for a large portion of the time that we saw a three-man back line, almost no matter who was playing where on the field. Well, so yes, And the odds are not good that we'll see a three-man back line this next game. With Eric Holt suspended, Eric is suspended. <laughs> Justin Glad listed as probable with a hamstring. Actually, the uh, availability report says hamstrung, which is beautiful. And then uh, with it with the U, like he's been hamstrung. No, hamstrung. Oh, no, like like, oh, like it's strong. He's got a he's got a hamstrung. Yeah, that's great. He's worked out his ham a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he no longer has a hamstring. He has a hamstrung, and so they replaced yeah. it. Actually, yeah. Uh, Smart. And then Haziel Orozco is listed as on assignment with Real Monarchs. Now, certainly he could probably get called back. One would imagine that he does, uh, that he, you know, sees bench minutes for RSL. Uh, But, you know, stranger things have happened. I know that the, um, through my lengthy conversations with people in the front office, uh, the on assignment with Real Monarchs thing is not like, a, a real i mean it is a real thing but like they could be recalled at any time um yeah. with or without any real notice so like orozco coming back up i think has a, a real possibility even if it's just for the bench um because it's very real it's a very realistic possibility that we've got Kapelhoff, silva and orozco are the only three available center backs on the entire roster yeah, yeah. and you know so, for one off that that happens uh, it doesn't make me worry yeah. about the state of the roster uh it but, would yeah. also be a lot of fun to see Orozco play. I thought he played great when he did play. Yeah. But but whatever, he's a kid, so yeah. develop with the Monarchs. That's fine. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else with that uh that kind of terrible game? Uh, are, um, are we confident calling that second half also terrible? We did win the second half 2 1. 
it's a wash i think again um, like yeah like when you have one half that is as bad as that like it's good to see him bounce back but also like i i don't know i, yeah. I, I at the end of the day you lost yeah and yeah. like you coming back was like kind of empty like right. I, I don't think they ever really like actually threatened to really make a dent um any further than they did i think them scoring two goals in the last what was it 25 minutes of the game like huge but i think that was about as good as we could have hoped for of a response yeah yeah and i think one of the nice things about scoring three goals on a team is you give yourself a little bit of margin for error um and minnesota had the margin for error so it didn't matter like i don't really you know like there was some talk um, from people on the who like covered the team and stuff about the the heart of this team and how this team has no quit and how how the fight back really like showed that and I'm not buying that um, I no, just we, don't we like, lost that game you lost, yeah you lost a critical game that has the potential to drop you several spots down the standings when other teams play their games in hand and there's no there's no X dog or X belief factor. Uh, to take away from that game because you didn't have it at the beginning of the game. You gave up three straight goals uh, in, in bad fashion and you lost the game. And so I, I have no patience for that. Absolutely none whatsoever. Yeah. Especially yeah. coming off the back of a draw against a Columbus know. team that was bad. No, no patience for that. That is not X belief. That is not X dog factor. That is not, you know, like that's, that's just playing poorly. Yeah. That's that, all that is. So this result um, from the just, put it in a little bit more context from the last four games, going back to the Vancouver game, uh, two at home, two on the road, uh, four points. Yeah. That's in not the great. last four games. Yeah. I remember I somebody mean, saying five was the bare minimum, but that may have been including this next game. Next couple games. Next game is against Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, a, you know, Western conference opponent and it is a home game. So we, I mean, you hope you have a good performance. Yeah. But this is, again, I keep going back to this team's form under Pablo Mastrani has, it's very roller coastery. We have several good games in a row, and then we have several bad games in a row. And we had, what, four out of five wins um, coming out of basically the Open Cup loss. Um, so th- really high highs and then we lost against vancouver we got it done against san jose but now we've tied at home and then lost to a bad minnesota team um i'm not good at predicting things with sports but like this could be the beginning of a low low like it's very possible the next couple of games don't go very well and it's kind of set up to do that with justin glad out um kind of a linchpin of the team well and i think i think that uh for as much as um, I find Pablo to occasionally be frustrating as a coach. The problem is, is that we've talked about and we talked about it a little bit with the GM uh, with Elliot Fall saying we're not going to make new signings. The depth of this squad isn't good enough. Yeah. If you lose Justin Glad and all of a sudden your defense is the leaking three goals, then it tells you the guy you've got back there is not ready and not quite good enough, which is, you know, maybe Kapelhoff needs time and he hasn't had a lot of time to play next to Marcelo Silva and stuff like that. But like, if you lose Justin Gladden, all of a sudden you can't get results, then you've got a problem with depth on the team because you can't be reliant upon 
your first team player being available all the time. And if you lose one first team player and all of a sudden you can't get a result, then uh, it's it's just like an excuse that doesn't really hold water. Like the, then the team's not good enough yeah. for whatever, like that's just yeah, not we, good enough. We, we shipped three goals uh, to a team that has, that had at the time of that game, the same amount of goals scored that we've had, which we've been talking all season about it not being enough and not being good enough. And like, we, yeah. we need to be scoring more goals. We gave that team three goals. Yep. Like, so. Yep. Which I, I, I'll give Minnesota a little bit of credit because they basically did the same thing to the Galaxy the week before, which yeah. should have which should have gotten RSL's like attention, focus, you know, like squarely on the attacking threat of this game. I mean, Minnesota two back to back home ones against LA, LA Galaxy and RSL is something that's like really reviving their season. Um, and yeah, like. I said this on Twitter, but it's 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 crazy because the last time we did a pod, I was on it, and I, we were one point ahead of Austin. Now we're five points behind Austin, so like for second place, so it's like yeah. we're realistically we've already played ourselves out of second place, even though there's still half a season to play. Like we we've played ourselves out of second place already. Um, so to have gone from Aaron Herrera being like, oh, we had an opportunity to go top of the table to being five points out of second place just with two results, and that's. That just shows you what happens in this league, why you can't have complacencies. And why maybe you don't talk about, you know, the opportunity to go top of the table midseason because this yeah. happens. Because it's kind of pointless. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like, it does show just, like, how volatile this league is at times. So, like, we went from second to third, and we went, you know, now we're five points behind second. Um, the The... The optimist in me says that like those five points could be made up very easily in two weeks. If we have a good two weeks and Austin has a bad two weeks, like we're there again. So, but I mean, as you guys know, I'm not an optimist. So yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I can be an optimist and say that, yes, those points could be made up, but I can also be a realist and say that Austin over the course of the season has been showing to be a much better team, a more complete team than, than yeah. RSL. And those points being made up, would probably be a temporary aberration. Like, yeah, maybe we could make up those five points temporarily, but I do not see a situation in which we're finishing above Austin uh, in the Supporter Shield standings. Um, I would agree. So, yeah. All right. Should we move on to uh, Colorado Rapids? Let's do it. All right. So, the rivalry game for the Rocky Mountain Cup. I'm I'm doing math real quick. Oh, fun. Um, We're on a a 1.6 point per game pace, which is good it's kinda good. good that's kind of good yeah yeah last season last season to make the playoffs in seventh place we were at just a little over 1.4 yeah that would put us if we kept us up to the whole season that would put us at 54 points at the end of the season good enough for which the is just comfortable playoff spot not great playoff spot but comfortable yeah right fighting fighting for a home playoff game is where yeah. that is yeah. pretty much yep so uh, go team so the home team wins most of these games um the last time the home team did not win or there wasn't a draw, so I guess that the visiting team won, was a uh, an unfortunate game in September 2020. I don't know if you remember this one. It was at Rio Tinto Stadium. Does anyone remember? This was like one this? of the first, like, back from pandemic games, wasn't it? Uh, I think they started earlier in the summer, like July. Okay. Um. Do either of you want to venture a guess as to the scoreline that RSL lost was by? It, 
Was it five nothing? It was. Did you look it up? Oof. <laughs> no. Okay. I just remember that we lost really big to Colorado. Yeah, it was a little bit ago. Corey Baird was still on that team. Yep. Uh, yep. So that tells be. you something. Uh Everton Louise was still a starter. Actually, the lineup is very so is it very similar <laughs> to this one? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Huh. Saperino so, was there? No, he was there in 2019. No, he wasn't. Right? <laughs> okay. Um, so Nedham started and Toya started. Rusnak, Baird. So, I mean, there, there have been sub- substantial changes, but it's still Justin Miram, Michael Chang, Krylik, although who knows where he is these days. Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera. So uh, certainly some similarities to this team still, which is... Sam Johnson was on the bench for that game. Good for him. Good for him. Jason Ramirez was also on the bench. That had to be like one of three matches he was on the bench for. That guy. Yeah, he was not on the bench a lot. I wonder where if he's been playing. Don't eat that. Trevor, you're telling your cat not to eat things. Sorry, I'm talking. Yeah, my cat is sniffing a battery. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair. And then meowing at me about it. Uh, he has. Where is Jason Ramirez these days? He is. Didn't he, go, at, he went back to Venezuela, didn't he? Yeah, Tachira, Tachira. Uh, I forget how the accent works in Spanish, but it's on over the A. Uh, oh, he's played like nine matches. Good for him. Happy for him. No goals. Oof. Are they in the in, first division or second division? He played in Copa Lib though. Uh, first division. So yeah, there's there's our Colorado preview. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just looking up how so Colorado's third worst team in the West right now. Yeah, only 19 points from 17 games, a very bad pace. Uh, they have a minus five goal differential. Um, they are sitting one point above San Jose. So if that gives you an idea of how well Colorado, like, you know, we beat San Jose pretty routinely 2-0 at home. Um, that is the type of team that we're looking at in Colorado, though, of course, it's the rivalry game. How much this really means to any of those players, though, I don't really know. I don't think... There's got to be a little matters. something with, with Mascarini there, right? I mean, I mean probably for a, RSL, I don't, a, but I don't think the Colorado players would care at all. Yeah, yeah. Like as a narrative, there's something there. I don't know that. It I really bet there's something there something. for Pablo. Could be, but you know, we'll see what it means. Can I give you my my fun stat? Yeah, we we would love it. I think. So we are five points behind Austin FC, who's in second in the West. We've established that. Yes. Colorado is twelfth in the West. Guess how many points above Colorado we are? Seven. 10. 10. 10. Oh, good for us. So, like, comfortably, we're, we're like very far away. But, like, if we lose five points again, like, we're down there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we, we're down there with the Houstons and the Colorados and the San Jose's. I mean, you you give up. Yeah. The top of the, the top of Western of Conference is kind of, it's a big gap, but it is not a very big gap. From third on down. Right. Well, and it just like, I mean, you lose this game to Colorado and your weed goes from 10 points to seven. And all of a sudden you've given up 30% of the weed you've accumulated throughout the season. So yeah, I we mean, are, MLS is we are, not the English Premier League. 
No. Play. Seattle Sounders are currently the seventh team in the West, which is the last playoff spot in the Western Conference, <laughs> and they are three points behind Salt Lake. Yeah, with a yeah. game in hand. So if they win, with a they're, game in hand. they're ahead of us. On Galaxy is below us and also has hybrid. a game in hand. Yeah. So. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I I keep I have kept expecting Dallas to pass us, but Dallas also having a terrible run of form right now at just the right time for RSL. Because they had a couple games in hand and they only managed to draw them. So I managed to keep keep them behind RSL. So I was surprised by that, to be honest. Which yeah. That's that's the foibles of MLS. Um uh Colorado uh gave up a three goal or two goal lead. Um they were up two nil on Austin, and Austin came back and won three two. Uh before that, the game before that, they gave up three goals to Portland uh in a three nil loss. Drew uh, to New York City and then lost 3-1 to Nashville. So in three of their last four games, they've given up three goals in those games. That should be fine, so, right? Out of their yep, last seven, seven games, they've uh, got seven points. Yeah. yeah that three of those great. games were at home. Their last two home <laughs> games they have lost. We're playing... Um, oh, no, we're not playing them in Colorado. We're playing them here, so that's pointless, but... Yep. Colorado is a bad team with a bad run of form. So and giving up goals. Yeah. And uh teams are scoring goals on them. We're a team in need of scoring goals and this could be the opportunity to keep this team from sliding. Well, yes. RSL could Luckily keep RSL from sliding. Diego Luna back, so all is yes. right. He's he's like a new signing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the the final avail- availability report, or at least the one we have today, uh, Zach Farnsworth out as usual. Demir Krylik, Bobby Wood, both out. Uh, won't see them. I'm guessing September, but that's just two months away. So I guess it well, could but it's be also worse. the timeline. I can't remember who it was for Demir or for Bobby, but the timeline they gave us was like their earliest possible return was with like five games left in the regular season. Yeah. So uh, like. I think that was for Bobby. I think Demir was a few more games. I think it was a shorter timeout, but yeah, still, yeah. Demir and Bobby are out for a while. Uh, Brett Housley uh, has moved up to questionable. Ooh. So um, I will say about Zach Farnsworth, they are still hyping him up. Uh, I heard the words generational talent on the radio, uh, mm-hmm. which is fun for a player that has been on the injury report for nearly two years now. In his entirety, the entirety of his career with Real Salt Lake, he's been on the injury report. So, who was it? Somebody told me that they knew a guy. This was like friend of a friend told a guy one of those stories. But somebody told me that they knew a guy who coached against Zach Farnsworth um, when he was a, a younger youth player, like in his like high school ages. And that coach said that Zach Farnsworth would never play an MLS minute because he wasn't good enough. Huh. So well, it certainly it's doesn't worth. have to do it with his skill <laughs> level. It's just his ability to not be injured. Yes, which there's a lot of luck there. Uh, Justin Glad, as we said, uh, his hamstrong is not strong, uh, and he's listed <laughs> as probable. Eric Holm Ham listed as suspended, like. and then <laughs> uh, Jeff Dusnip, Chris Garcia, Bodie Hidalgo, Gavin Beavers, Julio Benitez, Jude Wellings, Axel K, and Haziel Orozco. All listed as on assignment with Real Monarchs. So there you go. There's a, a little preview for the game. 
Also, uh, looking at a little preview, Diego Rubio for Colorado oh. has seven goals in 15 matches with two assists. I wonder what that must be like to have a forward who could do that. Who could score uh, more than be, once I, every five games. Yes. I don't know how Colorado deals with that. Seems tough. I'm I'm glad we don't have a play. They they just must much have must have such big egos there. Having a player <laughs> who can score goals. We are a much more humble team and we like to spread the goal scoring responsibility among only our defenders. Yes. So I think that's a better spot to be in. Uh the team is the star, after all. And the team yes. can score the goals. Yes. Until they stop scoring the goals, I guess. When in which case, we might be in a little trouble. But we did score two, so that's good enough, right? We just need to continue scoring two goals, even if we lose three by three. Like, if we're scoring goals, that's all that matters. Yes. Yeah. Tra- Agreed. I'm glad we're in agreement. Let's end the podcast there before Trevor gets a chance to wag his finger <laughs> at us. <laughs> to uh, roll my eyes audibly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you boys going to be there? I will be there. I will be there. Yeah. I will be there for sure. I'll be there with the belt. Trevor. Yes. Jinx? Yes. No, that was not at the same time. I beat you. I won. Yes. I'm going to say it was my my internet. Definitely just my internet. I feel like I must have missed something. I feel like there was some sort of inside joke there that I missed. I said I was going to be there with bells on. And right as I finished saying that, Matt went with bells on. Because he realized he said it after I said it. Yeah. It's very disappointing. Uh, I hate losing to Trevor. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's one to one on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I will not have bells on. And now I expect Trevor to literally have bells on in the press box. Well, you better happen. They don't have any rules against bells with in the press box, right? I bet you couldn't take a whistle, but you could probably take some bells and ring them. And yeah, I'm sure they would love it. Yeah. Do Just, you have? Do we have uh, any update on tacos? No, I don't know. No, like actual update. But I was told pretty firmly that they were going to be there every game for the rest of the season. Phew. That's but, important. This is this is the information that the people want. But that was also before the tacos were gone for a game. Well, I, yeah. I just hope okay. they're okay. And my my person who tells me those kinds of taco updates uh, recently had a baby, so they were a little bit busy. Yeah, didn't give but, me the update in time. Good yeah, for, we already yelled at him in the podcast last time. Yeah, that's true. Well, I I suppose this is as good a place to end it as any. Uh, do be on the lookout for uh, Trevor's taco update if and when one comes. Uh, if you have inside information, you can contact us on Telegram at. Lincoln Twitter. You can get me on Signal. Oh, Signal, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, other than that, uh, thanks, Colin, for joining us. And I don't know if this is the right term anymore but giving us a little bit of a gun show. It's the right term. Yeah. And it makes, it works. <laughs> All right. It's a gun show. And Trevor, thanks for having me boys. They, Always a pleasure. And uh, Trevor, thanks for bringing your cat. Uh, one yes, of days you should have the cat stand in for you. You can go on vacation. The cat can meow into the microphone and, and lick batteries. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe that's not 
such a good idea, but I don't this think is I've a ever met your cat, cat so. licking batteries podcast. You think you can take we, your we're cat coming into out the press fully box? in support of? I probably could bring my well. Okay, I can't bring my cat to the press box, but we could bring a cat to the press box. You could like Let's put your cat under a jacket, and everyone will say, "Trevor, it's <laughs> mid July. Why do you have a jacket on?" And then you'll zip it down a little bit, and the cat will peer out. And my, I love it. My cat would not enjoy that even a little tiny bit. My cat does not a kind of cat that gets held. Yeah, at like, all. Yeah, it's that not, makes not sense. a cuddling cat. Uh, anyway, let's bring whatsoever. let's bring Freddy Juarez's cat back. Oh, that'd be let's beautiful. Do it. I'll uh, I'll hit him up on Facebook Messenger or whatever. On the socials, the socials. Yep, perfect. Okay, well, uh, thanks for joining us for yet another episode of Off the Crossbar. This is episode ninety six. If you have ideas Enjoy. for episode one hundred, uh, tweet them at me, and uh, we'll probably come up with other ideas that we like slightly more that we will also not do. Enjoy yeah. that sweet outro jazz, everybody. Good night. Goodbye.